0: Green Divas and Green Dudes come in many shades of green. Here to help you discover and celebrate your personal shade of green are hosts Green Diva Meg and Maxine Margot, veteran radio chicks who share important news about climate change and the plight of human existence, but somehow manage to make most of it fun and sexy using at least 50 shades of green. Well, hey, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in to 50 Shades of Green Divas. And you have at least two shades here. Yes,
1: definitely. Two shades. With Green Diva Meg and... Green Diva Max. Again, I've been capturing that, and Meg hasn't hit me yet, so I guess I'm good. (laughs) I think it's awesome. I like
0: uh, Meg and Max... Green divas. That's that's cool. Like the you more know. green divas, the merrier. We should have. That's, that's what cool. I always say. Me too. Everyone should be a green diva <laughs> or a green dude. as it Or a, were. Gr-
1: or a green dude. with know all the guys, and and yeah. and I'll let my green doggies too. You know? <laughs> green wolf. Right. Green wolf. We got right. Gracie Wolf here. We got Gracie Wolf and, and Sparky's in in holding. A, Sparky. He, he's really a cutie guy. And, you,
0: you have know. a dog named Sparky? Yeah. Did you ever watch South Park?
1: Yes, I've seen South Park. Did this you is-
0: see the Sparky Don't Be Gay one? No, I didn't. I'll have to catch that. It was a very funny episode. I don't even remember all the circumstances, but it's become like a little thing that we say around here because uh-huh. they're like freaking out that the dog is gay. So, and I don't know which character even, but he turns to the dog and he's like yelling in his face Sparky! don't be gay! <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think Sparky's gay, yeah, but he's, you know, he doesn't have his you know
1: what's it's you know, since he's a pup, so... <laughs> yeah, 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 he's neutralized. But, well, he's, well, he's Sparky 2.0. He actually was named after Sparky 1. Well, this is Gracie 2.0. You know, so there yeah. you go. And, you, mean, you know, we had Spanky and Spunky in between. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's that's the way that rolled. Oh, my but, God. but anyway, you know we love dogs here, so...
0: Well, you got out there in the world and did a great which you do. You take your, like, Little mobile recording little, stuff, my little,
1: right? My little iPad, my little iRig, my yeah. mic and my mouth, and uh, I press buttons because <laughs> since I'm tech phobic in other ways, I do know how to work this, so
0: I I can go out on the fly and get some. Well, you've got some great, great yeah. Yeah. comments yeah. from people? And yeah. this is a really nice full interview that you right. did, right with um, yeah. with Sharon Abreu, who has uh, who does a one woman
1: show called The Climate Monologues. Uh, it was at the United Solo Theater in uh, Manhattan on Theater Row on 42nd Street in the you know, 9th and 10th. 8th. There's a whole beautiful yeah, area yeah. Of, of theaters, and she did her one-woman show, and it is awesome. And she's been doing this for a while. They just asked her back, I found out, to do another show coming up. And she takes real stories from from people who are directly affected by climate change, mm-hmm. whether it be a coal miner in West Virginia she, mm-hmm. or uh, out in uh, a mom out in uh i think it was in washington state of washington mm-hmm. area, and uh, indigenous you know mm-hmm. native Americans who have you know um, that's a big topic these days yeah. and and she she takes uh, their part and she tells their story. Mm-hmm. And she also you know, has music to go with it that she composed. It's and, brilliant. I and love the concept. She's really, you know, she lives out in the Orcas Island, way out. Uh, she sees <laughs> whales, I think. Uh, but it's it's way out off the coast of uh, Washington. And it's, cool. it's an island that takes her forever to get back and forth. But, hey, she's a New Yorker and a fellow NYU uh Violet, yay! Uh, <laughs> and and we got a chance to talk, you know, after her last show, and uh, we we got a nice little interview about, you know, what what she's about these days.
0: Really psyched! I I'm looking forward to hearing this, and so I'm going to be listening with all of you. Okay, that's and good. in the meantime, before we uh, open those floodgates, mm-hmm. we're going to just ask that you check us out on social media mm-hmm. at the Green Divas and at TM Shades of Green. And you know, and those are on Twitter, and also at Green Diva Meg, of course. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all of it, all of it, really. And uh, you can find the show on either thegreendivas.com. dot com. Um, we have information on Fifty Shades of Green Divas there. Uh, But it is also on all of your favorite podcast platforms, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spreaker, Buzzsprout, SoundCloud. Wow. And there's, I think there's even more, but, uh,
1: you know. Things that we don't even know about. It's in cyberspace. (laughs) It gets around, man. It's out (laughs) in the clouds. It's out in, you know.
0: It's getting around. Maybe
1: SpaceX will carry it on the next mission. There you go. I don't know. But we
0: appreciate your tuning in and listening. Interact with us. Let us know what what you Like, what you want to hear, and uh, just let us know you're out there. Tweet
1: us and and send us things you you want to hear, as as Mick said. Let us know. It's supposed to be an interactive world. You have, like, at least five devices, and uh, (laughs) use one of them to contact us. That would be awesome. All right. Well,
0: enjoy the rest of the show.
1: This is Maxine Margot Rubin, host of the Fifty Shades of Green Divas. The many shades of green, green divas have combined to join force to, to get the green out. And, and I'm here. I saw a wonderful show called The Climate Monologues, uh, performed a one-woman show by Sharon a- Abreu. 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 Sharon Abreu. I knew I was going to get that wrong all along. Uh, Abreu, and she's terrific. And uh, does the climate monologues and so many wonderful things. Uh, So when when did you start the climate monologues originally?
2: Well, the seed for the show first started back in about 2006. I was meeting people at the United Nations during the Commission on Sustainable Development. And I thought, I really want to get these people's stories out to more people. I actually started putting the show together in 2009, and I did the first performance in 2010, and I've been updating it periodically since then. I just did four four new monologues in this show tonight.
1: Which were the new ones?
2: Jewel James, the master carver from the Lummi Nation in Washington State. Um, Kathy, oh my goodness, hang on a second. Okay, Kathy Egland, who works on climate change education with the NAACP in Mississippi. Bob Hallahan, who is retired from the United States Navy and he now is spending his time educating about climate change and working with a nonprofit called the Citizens' Climate Lobby, and um, Abby Brockway, who is a mom in Seattle, and she became one of five people who are now known as the Delta Five.: And she, she went up on some sort of tripod. tripod. Mm-hmm. can explain that just quickly. Well, they wanted to do some kind of an action, and they wanted to have something be very visual, so they constructed a an 18-foot metal tripod, and, and this they did in a place in Everett, Washington, called the Delta Rail Yard, where the, these uh, oil trains are coming in, and they blocked a... Um, a Bakken crude oil train, about a mile-long train, that was going to be going to the refinery. And they blocked it for eight hours to make the point that these trains, that the fuel is very dangerous, the transit of the fuel, the transportation of the fuel is very dangerous, and the fuel itself being burned is very dangerous for the planet. So having all of these highly volatile fuels coming through, constantly. I mean, there's just a tremendous number of trains that have been proposed to come through communities all over the country with these very volatile fuels. And then just the contribution of burning all those fuels, the contribution to global warming is really profound. So this was a protest against these oil trains. Do do
1: you see, that's really amazing that these women have done this and and, uh, mom up is is one of the mother up is in one of the is one of the songs in the show but uh when you started the the climate monologues, have you found a an increase in people 's awareness of what 's going on and in this current political uh i don 't even what to call it fiasco <laughs> or i i, I can 't even wrap my head around it um, In terms of uh, people's awareness, do you think it's, it's here and it hasn't really been touched as much in the election as it should?
2: Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a lot more people who are much more aware and very concerned. You know, when I started doing climate change education in 2000, not very many people were talking about it. I would start talking about climate change, and I would see people's eyes glaze over. And now so many people are working and pushing and trying to make needed changes in in our behavior and how we do things. And you know, seeing the actual economic benefits of switching to renewable energy and energy efficiency. But we don't have the political will, and you can just look at the money in politics and see how that is playing an extremely, extremely... Uh, tragic role.
1: Especially one candidate believes it's a hoax, believes it's connected to the Chinese, doesn't believe it's real, and, and tells people in areas in the country, especially the coal area in West Virginia, that it's your job. You know, you, we will give you jobs. It's jobs, jobs, jobs. It's making you sick. You're going to die. You're dying early. You're getting disease. But you got the jobs. Just like that gentleman said from. Uh, Pro- Pennies of Promise Yeah, yeah he, he Ed, Wiley. Ed Wiley realized that When he had his granddaughter get sick Because there's a It's at the tip of where the, the coal mine and, and, and mining is And it's got to stop
2: It was the third day I woke up that third day When I picked her up from school I saw I wrote the most important rule I looked into this child's face Getting old so far before it's time It was the third day It all came together on that third day and I saw things as they really are The strip mines left their scar On my own grandchild You have to look at the, the psychology of the human mind. I mean, I'm not a psychologist, but I'm very interested in, when I, when I hear psychologists talking about these types of things, that, you know, your income is tied to your belief system. And that's a very serious problem for the human mind and for humanity because if believing something is, you know, if your income is dependent on you believing something like climate change isn't real or that sort of thing where it's not caused by human beings, then it's going to be very hard to convince to convince you that <laughs> that's not. But, you know, the thing is we could have solutions in place. We could have what's called a just transition, which is something that I want. I will have in the next show a just transition program to transition people who are working in the coal industry, the oil industry, other, you know, really environmentally unsustainable industries to have good, you know, organized retraining programs in place and other benefits so that they can transition without being unduly hit economically as we're shifting to renewable energy and energy efficiency. We could have had these programs in place 20 years ago. You know, and it's very, very frustrating that we don't have the political will. You know, we need something like a like. But Dennis Kucinich was talking about in 2003 a, a a Works Green program. You know, we could have these things given the political will.
1: Well, I call it the House of Reprehensibles, <laughs> because and some people were laughing, but it's it's the truth. I mean, at this point, it's, it's not getting done in, in Congress. It's just not going to happen, mm-hmm. and for that reason alone. It's just something that that has to be changed.
2: And the other problem is that incremental change is not good enough. And that's why, you know, I'm not happy with people that, that are, you know, yeah, they're saying they believe in climate change and they want to take action, but taking very small incremental action and still producing lots of fossil fuels that are poisoning people's water supply, that is completely unacceptable. We should be way past that right now. And why aren't we? We have to be asking those questions of these elected officials however they're getting elected one way or another
1: well sometimes you have people who just don't want to do it. there's as you said the political will is important right. or or just the will the collective will exactly right and and getting the collective will together is you know what we need to to get out there i mean i don't know what to say anymore so so what what are you working on for, for future projects and what's, what's happening down the pike for you?
2: Oh, well, I, well, first of all, I really want to see where the climate monologues goes. I would really like to be bringing it to colleges, universities, and high schools, you know, and I'm just curious to see what might come out of the United Soul Show, too. I mean, I'd love to get it produced on public television, you know, if that's a possibility. And just to get these, these stories out to as many people as possible because there's nothing as compelling as the truth. There's nothing as compelling as these true stories by real people. And you know, what ha- these people connect to this entire country. You know, one thing I started realizing years ago is that we really are 300 million neighbors in this country, and we really have to have each other's backs because we're suffering all across this country from things like poisoned water supply, plus Poisoned water supplies, lack of representation, and lack of action on, uh, on green energy. And even when they are happening, they're not happening enough. But too many people are just suffering in ridiculous ways. There's no excuse for it. So that's my thing, is really to bring about awareness and to inspire people to say, oh, I could become part of the solution. I don't have to dedicate my whole life. I don't have to, you know, it's great. I, I can maybe move myself out of my comfort zone a little bit you know or do something i can everything i do you know we used to say well putting change your light bulbs and that'll be great but you know that isn't enough but if you get involved in the political process in any way or even on the community level it's very important getting involved on the community level the state level whatever level you can that's the thing so i really want to continue doing this show and you know right now i'd like to be in standing rock <laughs> i'd like to be help you know supporting what the tribes are doing in in North Dakota, I think it's just so important that we support each other.
1: And we had someone on from the front lines, um, Candy. I don't know the last name. Uh, <laughs> I, I didn't do that interview; Meg did, and and it was unbelievable. It was it was unbelievable what's going on there. Just totally unbelievable. So that's that's one thing we need to, and and that all the tribes came together from all over, yeah. is you know that's unusual that that everyone all the tribes came that was that's amazing so Can I
2: add one thing to that what's what's even what just makes me want to cry and warms my heart so much is that the tribes are coming together and the wider communities are joining together with the tribes there are new friendships that have been formed and and trust that is being established, you know, over the last few years. I've seen it personally where we live out in western Washington because we've been pushing back against all these coal trains and oil trains, all these coal export and oil export proposals with the tribes. We've been working together, and it's wonderful, and there's been healing that's been going on. And that healing, it's, it feels very powerful to me. And so, yeah, it's wonderful that the tribes are coming together and forms alliances, but also churches, environmental groups, citizens' groups, all over the country, from everywhere.
1: Okay, so what's your shade of green today? And after you give me that, where can people find out about what you're doing?
2: I just have this beautiful, rich, bright, sunny shade of green today.
1: That's, that's great, because the performance was amazing, <laughs> and, and it was a bright green. And where can people new get... A, it's like new grass, so grass on, a, on a, a baseball field, when you see the lights go up on a night game, it's just... Gorgeous. It's just gorgeous. Uh, And where can people find out about what you're doing?
2: Well, I suggest going to climatemonologues.com and you can learn more about the show and learn about Earthlings, our nonprofit organization, and also contact me directly through the Climate Monologues website.
1: Well, this is Sharon, and she's amazing. And thank you so much for doing all you're doing to get the word out. I mean, the message
0: is key.
2: Thank you so much. I really appreciate you being here and helping to get the word out.
0: You've been listening to the Fifty Shades of Green, a collaborative gig between the Green Divas and the Many Shades of Green radio shows, happily recorded at Green Diva Studio. Be sure to look for this and other Green Diva Network podcasts and the Many Shades of Green on iHeartRadio, iTunes, SoundCloud, Spreaker, and Stitcher, among other places. You can find more information about this show and much more on thegreendivas.com.